Welcome back, listeners. Hi, everyone. I hope you're all having a good week. Good two weeks. Uh, my name's Maggie. I'm Billy. And this is Into, Into the, the Meepleverse. So, Maggie, what have you been up to the past two weeks? Well, it's been really nice in Toronto, weather-wise. Oh, it's been gorgeous. So, yeah, that's been amazing. I've been going outside. The first day I went outside, I got some sunburn on my face, which was kind of exciting because at least it meant it was warm. Um, I <laughs> yeah, don't know if yeah, the weather's going to stay warm, but... I think yeah. it's, you know how it like teases us and then it gets cold again and then it teases us. That's how weather mm. works up here in the Canada. I think this is the second, I think this is the last tease and it's going to yeah, get I cold so again. Not like snow cold, but it's going to chill out and then we'll be into the real spring summer weather. I think it maybe is going to snow again. You think Someone so? told me yesterday that it's supposed to snow next week, but also it said like for the past three days that it's going to rain and it hasn't, except for it's raining now um, <laughs> at, at the time of recording. Um, what do you, what have you been up to, Billy? Um, what have I been doing? So the new season of Rainbow Six Siege happened. I think that happened on like the 16th. So I dropped like a seven day experience booster and I played Rainbow Six, like, nonstop for seven days. Nice. Uh, apart from that, nothing. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been watching a lot of Twitch. I've been playing games and just kind of relaxing. Yeah. It says, it seems like with the weather getting nicer and vaccines hopefully on the horizon... Um, I'm optimistic about the rest of this year, but I don't want to be too optimistic. Yeah, I'm optimistic that we will get some type of, like, socialization that's a little bit more okay in this in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's, like, little small things. And I'm just yearning for that. I have, I have a few things that I, that are, like, firmly on my to-do list for when it's safe. I want to go bowling. Oh, right. <laughs> I want to play archery tag. Whoa. That's it. Just those, those two things? <laughs> there's more, but those are the big like ones. like that was gearing up for a list. That was a list. <laughs> I just want to hug my friends, and I'm not even, I'm not a big hugger, but I'm excited to see, see friends. I, I want to hug my friends, but I also want to shoot them in the face with uh, a padded arrow. <laughs> And I think yeah. that's fair. <laughs> that's a good, like, how to get re-socialized. We don't exactly know how to interact with people. We don't know if we should hug them. We don't know if we should shoot them with arrows. Yeah, exactly. You get it. Mm-hmm. I pre-ordered Red Rising from uh, Jamie Stagmeyer's new game. Have you heard anything about it? Uh, not really. I, I thought the the aesthetic design choices just kind of bored me, so I didn't look into it. Hmm. Well, we definitely are going to have an episode coming up about it because it's based on a sci-fi series that I'm going to read and then play the game and then we'll talk about it. What if what so if you don't just, like the first book? I'm I'm sure I'm going to like it. Apparently it's like a sci-fi Hunger Games. 
Okay. Is Hunger Games not sci-fi? I guess it is, but this one, I guess, is more space related. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because it feels to me like Hunger Games definitely has some some sci-fi elements. But I yeah, guess... Yeah, definitely. I guess... I don't know. I don't know how I would classify it. I'm not a literature critic, so whatever. It's like a young adult dystopian fantasy novel, but like I would... I wouldn't really say there's like sci-fi elements of it, but it's hmm. been a long time since I've actually read that. But anyway, <laughs> that's something that I've been excited about. Cool. Um, cool. How many games did you bring to talk about today? I brought a little one and a big one. Oh, okay. Do you want to start with your big or little? Because I only have one to talk about. Uh, let's start with little. All right. Uh, the the little one that I brought to talk about is Similo. Which I realized we haven't oh. actually talked about on on the podcast before. We've played it on stream several times. Uh, oh, I but... did not realize that we hadn't talked about this yet. Otherwise, I definitely would have uh, brought it up because I've been playing it a lot recently as well. Or if we have talked about it, I have completely blanked on that, forgotten it, and didn't add it to our spreadsheet. So, <laughs> uh, so if we've That's already okay. talked about this, you shoot us a little message, all right? <laughs> Uh, Similo is a game by three designers. So it's designed by Martino Chiachiera, Yalmer Hyak, and Pierre-Luc Azizi. And with art by Nayad. And Similo is a really simple little cooperative game. How it's going to work is there's going to be 12 characters. And those characters will be from either myths or fables or history, depending on which version of the game you have. So let's just say that we have history. So there's going to be 12 historical characters. Now, before I place them out onto the table, they'll all be placed face up in a three by four grid. Uh, I am going to secretly choose one of them to be my character. Now, I, I normally shuffle them all together, reveal one to myself, and let's say it's it's Boudicca. So my character is Boudicca. Then I'd shuffle them all up and I'd place out the 12 cards. Now, my goal is to make sure that the other player can figure out that I am Boudicca. And the only way you're allowed to do this is by giving cards as information from your hand. You're going to start with a hand of five cards. You'll play one, draw one, play one, draw one over five rounds. And you must play them, and they're going to be other historical characters. You must play them either vertically or horizontally. If you play them vertically, it means your character Boudicca, in this case, has something in common with the character that you've just played. If you play them horizontally, it means there's something dissimilar. And the first round, you play one, and then the other player is going to choose a character they think you're not. Get rid of them. The next round, you're going to give them a hint. They're going to choose two characters. Next round, they'll choose three, and then four. And then in the very final round, round five, there will be two characters left. You'll give one final clue, and then they will try to figure out which character you are. It's so simple and just so, so, so elegant. Um, that's a that's a quick little rules overview. I think I actually just went through all of the rules. I think mm. that's the full game. <clears throat> yeah. But I have a lot of really strong, really solid opinions about this game. Yeah, but also <clears throat> we should first say there's three different versions of this game. Yes, I, I did mention have, that. Billy? Oh, you did mention that? Yeah, okay, I said sorry. it'd be myths or fables or histories. Um, I have all I have all three of those, but there are actually other versions. Oh, okay. I thought um, it was just those three. There's an animals version, 
there's a wild animals version. And then I think I've seen like a photo, but I couldn't find any information about it when I, in my quick Google of like an undersea version oh, with like okay. fish and whatnot. I wonder if those are like for educational purposes, because I don't really see like adults really playing like animals, but maybe. I don't know. I think it'd be great. <laughs> yeah. How do you communicate that you have something in common with a rhino using like <laughs> a, a, a giraffe and a zebra and like like you're gonna have to be very creative yeah um when you play with multiple like if you were to play with myths and history do you shuffle them together or what do you do when you play with more than one pack so i've done it in several different ways and one of the issues i have so first like myths is the newer one so i initially got fables in history and initially, I would play them separately, and then I tried playing them together, shuffling everything together, dealing out 12 characters that are some from history, some from fables, and then drawing and giving clues, also some history, some fables. But it just didn't work as well as I wanted, because the kind of inevitable thing that happened was if your character was from history, you would use historical characters to give information about them, or you'd use fables. Okay. Okay with we're not like this so it's like oh you're a real person well i'm not the three little pigs it's like okay mm-hmm. like i'm different from that okay so it, it kind of didn't work in the same way that i wanted it just kind yeah. of forced it into a certain style and it, it it was less interesting there was less creativity and less excitement so how i like to play it the most is to have a grid of 12 from one of the games and then clues from a different game yeah, I think that's the way that the, it actually says. Like That's the way they recommend you play if you're going to play with more than one package at once. Yeah, and, and that's... The, they probably tested it, and, tested it and were like, oh, well, it doesn't work super well yeah. if you just combine everything. Uh, I, I wanted it to, though. And I've played the game enough that I've, <laughs> I've played it basically every way I could think about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say, when you have enough, like when you have myths and fables and history... If you just shuffle them all together, since there's just like more options, it it doesn't really fall into the, oh, you're using myths or fables or history. It doesn't really fall into that in the same way. I think the worst way to play it is to shuffle two decks together and just use it straight up. Okay. Um, I, when I played, I've played uh the fables package definitely the most but i've also played history and i was really stressed out because i feel like i don't know that much about history but it actually doesn't really matter (laughs) knowing anything about history because all the cards like have a little bio and a lot of times you don't really go for like okay i want to go with something that like is known about this person you kind of go with like appearance or like i don't know like you'll go like okay that's got king in the name this is a princess like you don't actually have to know anything about history, really, <laughs> to be able to play it. So I liked that. I think the game would award you if you did. If you were to give this game to, like, uh, history buffs, I think they would love trying to use the, the, right. the stories and the histories of those people to communicate different ideas. But, like, if I'm sitting down with you and you're like oh no i don't know very much about history i'm not gonna like use obscure facts from their life as clues (laughs) yeah uh so i think the game while it it appears initially like oh do you know anything about myths do you know anything about history or fables it appears 
like lack of that knowledge is going to be a hindrance. It's not at all. And that's really nice. Mm-hmm. It would be a hindrance if one player knew a lot and the other didn't. And that player tried to communicate their knowledge. Like that just wouldn't yeah. be helpful. I, I just think what they've hit on here, a little like $10 game that's so quick, so easy, easy to play uh, two-person co-op, easy to play in groups with a whole bunch of people solving, mm. uh, and combinable with other versions of it is just so interesting and so clever. Yeah, I think it's great. I've actually, I've never played with more than two people. It works really well. Would, yeah. And I remember the first time I played, I definitely, when I was giving the clues, I was giving clues kind of like, okay, I'm always going to go based on, well, I was always thinking, oh yeah, I'm just going to go similar, dissimilar. But if you want to be successful, you kind of have to like look at all of the cards and target specific ones with your clues. Like I'm going to do this, hoping that they will rule out these four in this round. Yeah. Um, I don't know like what your strategy is when you play, but I found that like I, I got lucky a couple times when I wasn't really like focusing on exactly what I was trying to do with each clue and just kind of focusing on like, yes, this is similar to the to my card. Yeah, I, I find that if I if I draw um, a really good hand or a, a hand with a really good clue in it at the beginning of the game, I will not use that clue right away. I always want to save the good clue right. for round four because round four is when there's eight characters or there's six characters left. I give a clue and then the other player has to eliminate four of those six. Yeah. So like, I always want to make sure that clue is hot. Yeah. Or even if like, if you, if it's in fables, for example, and like you see there are three Cinderella characters out and you know your character isn't cinderella related and you have cinderella in your hand like you'll want to save that specifically for like the three round to make sure you can just like get rid of all of them in one go yeah any way that you can think about okay how do how does this get rid of things that other things in my hand can't get rid of is really helpful um and yeah just trying to trying to strategize is really cool but also just not really needed you can just kind of yeah play as you go but if you think about long term it just makes the experience a little bit more rewarding Mm. um there's only one negative i have about this game i really love it and i actually do think the art is like very well done and beautiful but in fables specifically i feel like the girls like the princesses are like depicted as young like they're not like adult princesses they're like i don't know like teen princesses but they kind of are like weirdly sexualized in the art which i'm not a huge fan of at all but i do think the art is really beautiful and that is just like the style that they were drawn in but it's a bit weird with the like young girl art on some of the cards i don't know if you've ever noticed it Uh, i haven't noticed or at least i haven't remembered that i've noticed uh but yeah that's that's a little disappointing (laughs) yes I will but maybe s- it's just me. <laughs> I, I, I doubt that. I doubt that. <laughs> uh, I will say I really do want to try getting an animals pack and like doing history as the characters and animals as the clues. Ooh, yeah. I think that would be so fun. I also think this game would blend really well with IPs. Like imagine if they could get Star Wars IP and just like have oh, Star Wars yeah. characters. And like, because right now it's kind of built on things that are in the public domain. Like you don't have to pay anyone to talk about animals. You don't have to pay anyone to talk about history. 
uh, or e- even like Shakespeare characters. As, yeah. as somebody who went to theater school, I would love a Shakespeare characters version of this. Like, I think it would just be so cool. Yeah, I like that. I think that would be cool. It's interesting because like Shakespeare, I think, is one of the cards in um, uh, the history pack. Yeah, yeah. But like, imagine if you just had a full deck of Shakespeare characters and it was like, oh, here's Romeo. Here's, here's Juliet. Here's Titus Andronicus. And like trying to communicate, oh, like, well, I have King Lear. Uh, how do I use <laughs> Lady Capulet to communicate information about that? Yeah. I think that that's a good idea. They should definitely make a Shakespeare one. Do you have to like, is, does anyone like own like the intellectual property of Shakespeare? Like, or can you just make games related to Shakespeare? Uh, you can just, Shakespeare and his works is public domain. No. Oh. Then yeah, why, why are they sleeping on that? They need to get on it. <laughs> the thing is, how popular would it actually be? I don't know. I don't know. I think like a lot of nerds are into theater. <laughs> I think it'd be popular. I think it would also have legs with non-board gamers. Like I think all, all yeah. my theater school friends, if I told them about this $10 game uh, and taught them how to play it in like a five minute Skype call or at the bar when bars are allowed, uh, I think they would, I, they'd, they would totally spend 10 bucks to pick up a copy with Shakespeare characters. Yeah, it's a very, it's a really reasonably priced game, and it's absolutely a game that I would recommend to people who, like, even if you don't like games, like, it's so accessible and easy to play and easy to learn, and so cheap, so, like, I, I think you're right, it would definitely, Shakespeare would do well in the theater community. Shakespeare Similo. <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare himself does do well yeah. in the theater scene. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I think Similo would be, would get, like, my seal of approval for no matter who you are or what your board game collection is like, or what your budget is, I would recommend adding Similo to your collection. Nice. Yeah, I agree. Good, good, good pause. We did that. Awkward (laughs) silence. I didn't know if you were going to say more and I was done. So I was leaving space for you. to. No, I didn't know you were going to say more. Shall we move on to yours, your game? Sure. So my game, I'm honestly hesitant to talk about it because (laughs) I, well, I played it for the first time last night and I just feel it. So it's a never forget your first, which is we talked about a game that we've only played one time, but it's very, I don't know. I feel like to properly talk about this game, I wish I had played it a million times before talking about it, Um, but it's Terraforming Mars. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, No, let's talk about it. I would love to know. Have you played it? I have. Yes. How many have you played it often? I have played it one time. Okay, all right. Damn, I was kind of hoping you were gonna say, yeah, you played it a lot, so that like you could like fill in some of these holes, so that we could um, have different uh, like levels of experience. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that's always nice when we're talking about games. But instead, you're not getting that audience. <laughs> you're just getting our vague understanding of this game. I, I think my understanding of it is pretty comprehensive. Okay. I have taught this game many times. I know this game. I have lots of opinions about this game. So, Oh, my God. Oh, no. I'm kind of worried that I'm going to say something that you'll really disagree with. What's wrong with that? that that's fine. You know, I'm probably just going to quit the podcast if we heavily disagree. If we ever um, disagree. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So it's designed by... I, I'm already nervous about saying this last name. Jacob Frizelius? That's how I would say the last name. 
and the artist is Isaac Frizelius, which is his brother, so it's a brother combo, which is nice. Um, this game came out in 2016. Uh, the the edition I played was like the first edition, but I think that they're in there's like a big box version, I think with like multiple different maps you can play with. And there's like a lot of expansions. Like I don't think I played with any of the expansions. So yeah, I don't know what edition you would have played on, Billy. Uh, I played um, just uh, base vanilla as well. I have heard imp- I've heard that like I can't remember whether it's Venus next or prelude. I've heard that it's basically a must buy and it is exclusively a good change. Um, so yeah, so preludes were in that's I wasn't sure if that was an expansion or not, but I did play with preludes and they were okay. just like things that you got at the beginning of the game that like kind of jump started it and made it so that you had a little more to work with, which I liked. Cool. Cool, um, cool, cool. So I did play with that. I wasn't actually sure if that was an expansion or not though, because the person who talked to me was just like, Yes, we're playing with these things. <laughs> um, but I, yeah. I didn't know if that was part of the game. Uh, what player count did you play it at before we continue Four. on? Four? Cool. Yeah. Um, it's also like, it's rated a, on BGG, it's rated a 3.24 out of five, which is actually pretty high on the BGG. Like there's not that many games that I see that are above three. Yeah. For, um, for, yeah. Complexity rating. Gotcha. 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 Um, and it's like, I feel like it's kind of rare. That's like a pretty high complexity rating in my opinion. Um, okay. So the premise of this game is it's. The year is 2,174. Earth is overpopulated. We're running out of resources and we need to turn Mars into a habitable planet. Um, the three things that need to happen is the oxygen needs the oxygen level on Mars needs to get to 14%. The temperature needs to reach 8 degrees. And I think it starts at something like, I don't know, like negative like 20 or something. And you move yep. up like two ticks every time. Um, and three ocean tiles need to be laid on the board. Nine. And the board's like this... Oh, yeah, nine. sorry. Did I say three? I meant you nine. And three. I had nine written down. <laughs> um, the map is like this big hexagonal. Is that a word? I don't know. This big hexagonal <laughs> grid on the board. Um, and you're going to be placing tiles on it throughout the game. So once all three of those things or those conditions have been met. So the oxygen's at 14%, temperature's at eight degrees, and there are nine ocean tiles at the, on the board. Um, that's going to trigger the end of the game. You're going to finish that round or you're going to play out the rest of that generation. Each of these rounds are called generations. Um, then the game is going to end. And you'll do final, final scoring. Um, each player on the game starts on like has there's a terraforming track around the board every player is going to start on the 20th spot on there and once you do any of those three things so place an ocean tile um increase the temperature or increase the oxygen level you're going to move up one on the terraforming track uh and that's going to be points at the end where one of the things that you can gets you points at the end of the game wherever you are on that terraforming track and also at the end of each round, during the production phase, you're going to gain mega credits, which is the currency in the game, equal to your terraforming, your terraform rating, plus any um, additional mega credit income that you've accumulated throughout the game. So the game is played over several generations. So on each generation, um, 
each player, you're just going to take turns on your turn. You can do one or two actions and you're just going to keep doing that until every player has passed. Then you're going to do a production phase. Then you're going to start the next generation. I actually thought it was kind of weird that you can do like one or two actions. I didn't really get why you would ever not do two, but it does kind of make sense because there are certain things that, uh, certain cards that you might play that will have a specific requirement and you might want to be like taking your actions slower in hopes that that requirement would get met. Or I th- I'm sure there's other reasons why. I I actually, I really like that rule. I think it makes the gameplay of those rounds really dynamic, especially because there are benefits, there are like rewards for raising the oxygen level to a certain point or for um, raising the temperature to a certain point. So if you try really hard, you can try to consolidate both of your actions into doing it and pushing it up an extra amount so that you get the reward where you can slow roll your actions to try to make other people push it into the range where then you can get the reward. I really like that mechanic. Totally. No, I, I agree. I, I also like it. I when, I when I first heard it, though, I didn't really get why it was one or two actions because I was like, why would you ever not want it? But it absolutely makes sense, and I, I like that a lot as well. I also like it because the generations don't last like a super long time, and even though this is like a, a heavy game, it actually didn't really take that long once the game started. Um, I, really liked, I really liked the round structure of it. And I'm curious to know if you played with a variant, but I'll get to that later drafting yes did you play with the draft no we didn't draft we didn't draft the the drafting honestly is like one of the things i liked the most about it so we can discuss that later though great um okay so that's how the game's going to end that's how the round structure works and um there's also this production phase so there are six different resources in this uh game the first three are resources that you're going to use to buy cards and i haven't played this game a bunch of times so i'm not sure if there's any other thing that some of the resources are used for but i don't think there is um so there's mega credits which are just basically coins uh steel and titanium you're gonna have this hand of cards throughout the game that you'll get through a few different ways but one main way and all of the cards will have a coin value on them so how much it's going to cost to play that card Um, steel and titanium though are resources that can be used to subsidize those costs. So say you have a building and you'll know it's a building because it'll have a little brown building symbol on the card worth like 18 coins to play. For every steel you play, uh, you can subtract two from that cost. So if you're going to play three steel when you're putting that card down, you can subtract six mega credits from that building and then you only have to pay 12 mega credits and three steel to uh, build that card into your tableau. And which is really sweet. Yeah, it's really cool. Titanium um, works the same, but I think they're called space buildings. And if they have the like, there's like a star symbol on it, um, and you, the titanium can be used instead of three credits as well. Um, and there's so you're going to have your like storage where you'll keep track of how much steel, titanium, and mega credits you are, as well as your production for each of those things. So you can increase it so that every round you're going to be getting like two titanium um, when, when you produce. But it's just default set at zero. And for mega credits, yeah. your production is zero, but you will always get uh, the 20, um, 
the 20 mega credits because your terraform rating starts at 20. Um, yeah, so you get 20 plus your... Yeah, plus whatever your whatever production, your production is, is. And that can yeah. go into the negatives as well. Like, mine was negative last night, which felt pretty bad, but it was still okay, I guess. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so then you're also going to have cards. So you're going to have this hand of cards. Um, there's three different types of cards. There are these blue cards, and the blue cards usually have an ongoing action ability or like a passive ability. So it could be like every time someone builds a city, your income production increases by one. Um, but they, those ones usually also have an instant effect. Like that card specifically, I remember you had to lose to income production to even play that. And then every, every, but every time a city's played, it will go back up. Um, or it'll be something like an action that says like spend two steel to, I don't know, like gain five plants or whatever. Or, like, increase the temperature. Um, so blue cards are going to be kind of, like, action abilities or um, uh, passive abilities. Orange cards are just, like, instant effects. And I actually didn't really see that many orange cards. I think that was just, like, random, though. Like, I think there's a, a good amount of them. I didn't ever, like, play one, though. But they're instant abilities that um, will just, like, get you stuff. Or some of them, like, target other players and say, like make choose one player to lose six like heat or whatever and so something different about those is once those are played they actually get flipped over whereas all other cards kind of live in your tableau and there are certain other cards that will care about the symbols on those cards um and then like you might want to collect buildings or something yeah buildings or like a mars like cards with like the earth symbol on it or with the science symbol on it um, but if you play like the orange instant ability ones, those cards don't count towards that. Um, and then there's these green cards, and I actually forgot to look up the name of what they are, but those ones are usually just like they have an instant effect when you play them or when you activate them, and they will like increase your production or like you'll get to build cities. I felt like the green cards were the ones I was seeing the most often. Um, so yeah, you have these this hand of cards, and you're going to be most of your actions are going to be like playing or activating cards, or at least that's what I thought I was doing for the most t- part. Um, there are also these basic actions that you can play, but I didn't really use them because they were kind of really expensive to do stuff that like the cards could do more efficiently. Then there are the last, so the first three resources are mostly just to buy cards, and the second three resources are plants, energy, and heat. Um, so plants, Once you've accumulated eight plants, you can use them to place a, you can spend those eight plants to place a greenery tile on the board. Um, And when you place a greenery tile on the board, you'll also put one of your cubes on it. And at the end of the game for each greenery tile you have on the board, you're going to get one point. If those, I'll explain cities later, but Uh, You want to be placing these greenery tiles adjacent to cities that you have on the board. And actually, if you do have a city on the board, I'm pretty sure you have to place your greenery tile next to the city on the board. Not next to your city. Oh. Cool. I didn't didn't realize that. Yeah, I haven't read the rules, so I'm not sure. Um, And cities you can just place wherever you want. There's also energy. Actually, first I'll explain heat. There's... Oh, sorry. I missed a very important part about placing these greenery tiles. The main reason why you want to be placing those is because every time you place a greenery tile, you're going to increase the oxygen level, which also lets you increase your terraform 
uh, rating, which is good because it's more income and more points at the end of the game. Um, yeah, and that makes sense thematically too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then there's heat, and heat is very similar to plants, but it increases the temperature instead, but you're not actually putting anything on the board. You're going to spend eight heat, and then that's going to let you increase the temperature of Mars, which will also increase your terraform rating. And these are things that also you can increase the income of, so you could make it so that every single round you're earning four plants, and so then it's basically like every other generation you can just default increase the oxygen. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And then there's also energy. So energy, from what I know, inherently doesn't actually do anything. Um, it just gets turned, any leftover energy during the production phase gets turned into heat. Um, but also a lot of... I'm, your... I'm sure it interacts with cards. Yeah, exactly. But it's like... like... There's so many unique cards yeah. in this. So that's uh -huh. what I found is like, it's going to get turned into heat, but a lot of the green cards or like instant abilities will say change your energy into plants or like use this to like use for energy to increase the heat or whatever. So a lot of the cards interact with energy, but just on its own, it doesn't actually do anything unless you have a card that will make it do something. So yeah, so those are all of the resources that you can collect and what they do. And there are also milestones and awards that you can um, claim. So the milestones, there's a few different ones. So it'll be like, first person to have three cities on the board or first person to have built like eight building cards. Um, I think there's five different milestones and only three of them can be claimed and it costs an action to do. So it's a bit of a race to like claim three milestones and the milestones I think are each just worth five points at the end of the game. Um, and then there's also awards. Um, so the awards, I believe you can buy or you can activate three of them and they get more expensive each time. Um, they just yeah, activate... Yeah, you can fund them. Yes. Okay, that's what it's called. You can fund them. Um, but it is a bit risky because even if you are the first person to act, to fund an award, it's going to be cheaper for you to do it. But it just means that that award is now funded. It doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to get it. So it might be like the person with the most greenery tiles on the board. So if you fund that award, it means that at the end of the game, there will be points awarded to the person who has the most greenery tiles on the board. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be you. So yeah, so there's also um, cities that you're going to be placing on the board, and those are usually placed through card effects. Um, and you can usually place these like anywhere on the board, unless it's like an, a specific ocean spot. Um, and also on the board, there's like a lot of little symbols, like, like plants or steel or uh, titanium. And if you place any tile on top of one of those symbols, you immediately get that thing. So when you place your city tile, you want to place it somewhere where um, you're hopefully getting something, but also you want it to be surrounded by greenery because at the end of the game, you're going to get a point for every greenery tile that is adjacent to one of your cities. So yeah. So, Which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So there's also, I guess, those basic actions that I briefly mentioned before which don't really get used that often, but I think you can spend, you can trade in cards from your hands just for mega credits, like one-to-one, -one, which is a very bad rate. Um, you can just straight up like buy greenery tiles. You can just buy increase in temperature, but they're really expensive and not super efficient. But I think if you're like really desperate or if you have like a bunch of leftover money, you might want to use those actions. Um, but I don't know. I've only played the game one time. Maybe those actions are super hot. So yeah, so the gameplay flow, uh, 
it seems like when I got, was taught this game, I felt like really overwhelmed, but it actually was like pretty straightforward once it got going, once it got going, because you only have like one or two actions. So you could use that to like spend plants to put a greenery tile on the board. You can use it to activate a card in your hand. Um, you can use it to like use an action on a card that you've already built. Um, yeah, so it's pretty simple once it actually gets going. At the end of a generation, once after you've done your production, you're also going to get four cards in your hand. And I think that the basic way that you play is you just get four cards in your hand and you keep the, or you can choose to keep however many of those cards you want. And for each card you keep, you have to spend three mega credits. Um, so you kind of want to be like a little bit choosy. I would definitely not recommend like keeping all four of the cards because then you're not going to have that much money for that current generation. Um, but the way that I played last night and I thought it was really cool was that you drafted those four cards, which was great because drafting is just like a fun mechanic that I love in any game. So it was like awesome that like every 10 minutes we just got to like do this mini draft. Um, yeah. I really, I liked the draft a lot. I, I think if I were to play this again, I would 100% play with that drafting aspect yeah. in the game because I think also just at the beginning of generation being oh, you get to top deck these cards and hopefully they work in your play style is much less strategic than draft them. Because like if none of the cards work for you, you can take the cards that are going to be most valuable for the other players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, honestly, I was I was definitely not on the level of like focusing on <laughs> what the other people were doing, um, which is just because it was my first play. Um, but I definitely think that is like, you could definitely hate draft if it was nothing that you wanted. But I also kind of liked it because it was a draft I felt like even my last card sometimes that I was getting was a card that I actually wanted just because I was focusing on things that no one else was focusing on because there are so many different things that you can do in this game. Like I didn't place an ocean tile for the entire game and they, there were still nine on the board. I don't know if it was bad that I didn't place one the whole time, but it was just like <laughs> not something that I was focusing on at all. Um, well, yeah, you can't do everything, right? Yeah, and there was also like... There are some cards that care about like getting animal tokens or like different tokens on them or you can like steal these tokens from other players and like I didn't really explore that at all because I was just trying to focus on this other stuff that I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of. So there's like a lot of different avenues you can go uh, go on in this game. Yeah. So once those three things have occurred and the temperature is high enough, the oxygen level is high enough and there's nine ocean tiles on the board you're going to finish that current generation. And then you have a chance to play any leftover plants. You can turn any leftover plants that you have uh, into greenery. Like if you have 16, you could put two greenery tiles on the board. Um, like everyone gets a chance to do that at the end. And then you're gonna do final scoring. So your final scoring is going to be your um, terraform rating plus some of the cards that you've played, not all of them, but all of them, a few of them will have a point value associated with them, or some of them have a negative point value associated with them. Uh, so you'll add those points on, as well as you'll count the points from your cities and the uh, like the greenery touching your cities and every greenery tile that you have on the board. And yeah, then you'll calculate your final score and there will be a winner declared. So Billy, I am curious to know, do you like this game? Uh, no, no, I don't. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, what are your thoughts on it? 
Uh, let's hear yours. Let's hear because I think you you do like. This I game, do. Right? I liked it a lot. I felt really confused in the beginning because in the beginning I feel like there's a lot of decisions that you have to make. I don't know. So is the like I had a corporation with a special ability. Is that something that yeah. like that's base game, right? That's not an expansion or anything. Uh, yes, that is base game, but there is like a beginner game that doesn't use that oh, okay, but okay. that is in the base game yeah. and i would never not play with it yeah i guess I, I didn't talk about that but every character also or like every player gets a corporation that will give them a special ability that might be like every time you play a specific type of card you get a discount or every time you spend titanium it counts as one more gold um so there's a few different abilities that you can have yeah it kind of pushes you in a direction off the top, yeah. right? But at the very beginning of the game, you have to choose between your two corporations. You have to choose which one you want. Uh, you have to choose... And each corporation will have, like, okay, if you pick this one, you'll get to start with, like, 23 mega credits. Or one of them might be, like, you start with, like, 48 mega credits. Um, so it also kind of determines what you start with. You also choose two of the four prelude cards that you get. And then you have to you get dealt ten cards, and you can keep as many or as few as you would like. And for each one that you keep, you have to spend three mega credits. So at the very beginning of the game, there's like a lot of decisions that you have to make, especially if you've never played the game before. Yeah, especially with prelude. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was like I felt like I had to make a lot of decisions early on, and then that was overwhelming. But then once it got going, I actually liked the game a lot. I liked that it didn't take a super long time. Um, not that I, I again, I feel like I often say that. Not that I hate games that take a long time, but I did think that this game was like heavy, but at the same time, didn't really feel super long. I think I think games have a sweet spot, and. For a game to be three hours, three and a half hours, it really needs to earn that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, definitely. So I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's unfair to say you like that it wasn't a, a three hour game. Mm -hmm. And I actually think with with long games, what makes a difference for me is like, am I is this long because like. I'm literally like thinking about my turn the entire time or is it long because like I'm waiting for my turn like a game is a lot more enjoyable if like it's three hours long but the whole time I'm like thinking and like strategizing yeah but there are a lot of games yeah. where it's like okay I know exactly what I want to do on my next turn and now I'm just waiting for it to get to me and I, those games feel really really long um, but games where you're thinking the whole time they could be long but they don't actually feel that long yeah absolutely but anyway, that's not really anything to do with this. More, That's just more like games in general. Um, but no, I really liked it a lot. And one thing, I just feel like I haven't stopped thinking about it since I've played it. And I just really want to play it again. I don't want to say like I love this game or it's like one of my favorites or anything because I've only played it that one time. But I did find myself like falling asleep thinking about it, waking up immediately wanting to play it again. So yeah, overall, I did like the game a lot. I'm happy to hear that. I'm happy to hear that. I do want to play it again because it has been, uh, it has been four years since I played it. Okay. Um, I played it. I, I double checked. I played it on January 12th of 2017. So it's been a bit. Yeah. You didn't even know me then. So, so much <laughs> has changed in your life. You might like it now. A lot has changed. I, but I, I still think about it like a not insignificant amount uh, and not in the same way that I played role player, didn't love it, and then I thought about it a lot, and I was like, no, I really like that, and mm. now I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> I think about Terraforming Mars a lot, because I just think the game is filled with flaws. 
Okay. Like, which um, was? I, I don't want to yuck your yum, no, though. No, no, you're you go ahead and yuck my yum. That's fine. We want to talk about games. Uh, uh, fair enough, fair enough. And we, we, we disagree, and that's okay. Yeah. Please don't leave the podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll talk about the few things that I dislike. First and foremost, and this is not about the gameplay, I think the art in this game is atrocious. Wow, that's his brother, Billy. <laughs> I know. I just think it's so bad. It feels to me like every card looks like it used stock art from a different source in a different style. There's no cohesion, uh, and a lot of the card art is boring. Yeah, honestly, Uh, I think I literally don't even remember the art on the cards because it was insignificant. So Because it's very boring. Um, I also think that this this game does a lot to push you in certain directions. So off the beginning, uh, you get your corporation, which is cool, pushes you in a certain direction. Then you get cards that give you special abilities, make certain you better at certain things, pushes you in a certain direction. By turn five or six of my play, I drew my cards and I was deciding which ones to keep. And three of the cards, or so like one or two of the cards, weren't even legally playable. Because they have limitations on when they can be played. Mm. Some cards can only be played in the early game. Some can only be played in the late game. So I was like, cool, I know I'm not keeping those. The other card was a completely opposite strategy from what I was going with. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not keeping that. This other card is kind of in line with my strategy. So obviously I'll pay the three credits to keep this card, discard the other three, and then next generation, I'll play that card. And so many of the decisions felt like that. Yeah. It felt like I could very easily autopilot because it had given me such clear direction off the bat. There were so many things that were just outside of my wheelhouse and going for them was weak. Mm-hmm. I, I think that hopefully and the draft would fix that for you. I I think the draft would give me a reason to take cards that are outside of my wheelhouse, but I don't really see like, oh, now I get a whole bunch more cards that are better for me. Like I would get to see more cards and get to choose from more cards. It would be a little better, but it just felt so clearly like the direction was obvious and making the choices was obvious. And I, I hated the autopilot of it. Um, which I thought was a great failure of terraforming Mars. Yeah, I kind of get that too, because in the beginning I did feel like, okay, yeah, this is the direction that I should be going in. But then like, you don't keep that many cards at the beginning because you don't want to lose all your money. And then once you've played the cards that you had planned out, then it's like, well, like, let's just hope that I get something good. It's a bit of the like viticulture grapes situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. I just, I just found... That aspect of it, uninteresting, which is such a shame Mm. because the mechanics in this game are so interesting. Like the way you are terraforming and the way you interact with the oxygen level and the ocean level and uh, the heat, uh, the way you can slow roll your turns or you can double up and do two actions. Um, The income tracks for six different resources is just so, so cool. And I think... There's so much good in this game and there's something fundamentally broken 
in the system to me or in the like style of cards. Maybe they tried to do too much with the cards because I think every card is unique or something. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure they're and all maybe, unique. Maybe I, as a player, just wanted a little less diversity in those cards. Yeah, I get that. Last critique. I think the game... I don't know about new editions, but the first edition of this game, as it shipped, was, like, there was a production flaw that was so egregious that it made it borderline unplayable. Oh my god, okay. And that is that is a little bit of a hyperbole. But all of the tracks, all of your income tracks are taken care of. By just placing a cube onto mm. a, a sheet of paper, a sheet of like cardstock. Yes. So, uh, so if you have an income of like nine dollars and you have a steel income of four and a titanium income of five and a heat income of seven, a greenery income of two, and then an energy income of five, and you bump the table, you're just screwed. Because there's nothing keeping the cubes there. Yeah, this is like a... I think it's like similar to Through the Ages where it's like if you mess up your board, then it's just like you kind of just got to stop playing because there's no going back. But I played on TTS and it was a very well made mod. So like everything was just like counters. So I didn't have to deal with like the fiddliness of that at all. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But I can see how I that'd just be think... annoying. And I, when I was looking it up to talk about this, I saw that what the actual player mats look like. And I thought that looks, that looks like a bad idea, but <laughs> that looks atrocious. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think it's unacceptable. Wow. <laughs> that stronghold games didn't send out a double layer player board yeah. with this game at the price point, uh, at the hype point, like it was absolutely needed. Um, I wonder if in the big, because there is like a big box with all the expansions and like all the stuff. I wonder if that has better player boards. Uh, in the Kickstarter, I think they did address it. The like Kickstarter for whatever edition uh, or whatever expansion. They did address it and added some in there. But it's just, it never should have gotten to that point. It was, it was so bad. <laughs> uh, that said, I do really want to try this game again. I want to experience it. Uh, with more players. I only played it at the two-player count. I want to experience it with more players. I want to experience it with the drafting mm-hmm. variant. Uh, I, I want to just try it out with Prelude and see how that affects my experience. Yeah. Because, again, all of those negatives that I did just say are from one player. Yeah. No, I, I think you should give it another shot. Especially, like, I do think the learning curve... Well, I don't know. I think once you get past, like, the first generation, then you've got it. But... I think the first play, I already feel like anyone I would teach this game to, I'd say like the first play is going to be a bit rough. And then after you get it, it's going to be better moving forward. So yeah, I think yeah. we should play it again. Sometime. I, I do think that usually if I was between this and a different game in my collection, uh, 10 times out of 10, I would choose underwater cities instead of terraforming mm. Mars. You have the hand management aspect with a really cool mechanism uh, to like build up your own board and the stylistic similarities are there uh, the complexity and length similarities are there uh, with expansion to uh, quicken up underwater cities a little bit so it's nine rounds instead of ten I think I would just choose to play underwater cities over terraforming Mars 
almost always. Oh, I didn't realize that you had an expansion for Underwater Cities. I do, I do. Um, okay, Billy, I... What game do you want to talk about? Because we're already at an hour. No, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it next time. We're okay, going to talk okay. about it next time. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't realize how long. Actually, I did kind of realize how long this was going to take, but I'm sorry. No, that's fine. That's fine. Mm. Uh, I just think I will want to talk about my other game for more time than I see us having left in this episode. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tease it or no? Nah. Oh, okay. We'll see it in two weeks. Yeah. Come I, for the game I'm excited about. I do want to talk about rules I got wrong. In Terraforming Mars? Yeah. So one would cool, just let's hear be... It. One is just like a really small thing. I had a prelude that... Okay, first of all, I actually just made a big mistake. And the first... Like, when we first started playing, the cards I kept in my hands, I wasn't paying attention to the requirements that said, like, it needed to be at a certain thing. So I had kept two cards that I couldn't play in the first round. But then luckily, the TTS glitched out, so we had to start over. And I was like, thank God, (laughs) because I kept really foolish cards. Um... So that was just a mistake I made. Do you I think made? people would have been upset with you if you were like, hey, I didn't realize I couldn't play these cards. Can I just discard them and get my $6 back? Mm, no, I actually didn't even consider doing that. I was just like, I'm just going to pass till the next generation. And everyone was like, well, <laughs> I, you I, really shouldn't do that. And I was like, well, I can't do anything else. I think people would have been okay with that. Yeah. Um, but then luckily it crashed, so we just started over. Thanks, TTS. Yeah. Woo. And then... So I had a prelude that said, play a card from your hand, ignoring the global requirements. And I messed up again on that, even though it was like the second time around, I was like, cool, I know what the global requirements are because like I just had them and I couldn't play my cards. But uh, global requirements refer specifically to the oxygen, uh, oxygen, temperature and ocean tiles that are on the board. But I thought it was also including, because some of them will require you to have, like, three science um, symbols already played. So I thought it was just ignore all requirements. But it's not. So this, again, is just, like, specific rules I didn't fully understand. Yeah, those are the rules I got wrong. Do you have any similar rules you got wrong? I don't. I don't. It's pretty hard to get rules wrong in similar. Um, I I got nerd adjacent musing, though. All right, let's hear it. Uh, my nerd adjacent musing is chess streaming. Okay. Uh, I've been watching a lot of chess on like YouTube and Twitch lately uh, because it has been going through this like big resurgence. Because of the Queen's Gambit? I think it started before the Queen's Gambit, but the yeah. Queen's Gambit is definitely helping. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the resurgence is coming from like chess treating itself more like an esport than it ever has. Because you got big name streamers, you got Hikaru Nakamura, who goes by GM Hikaru on Twitch, who was just signed with TSM, who's like an esports brand, who has like players for Valorant and players for League of Legends and players Mm. for Rainbow Six Siege, and now a chess member. So he is their chess, he is their entire chess team. Yeah, Um, I don't, I know um, my boyfriend watches a lot of dota streamers and they would between games stream themselves playing chess so i think it's just like something that gamers are into now yeah it's become huge so there's hikaru there's levy roman 
Levy Rosman, who is Gotham Chess on Twitch and YouTube. There's Alexandra Botez, who's Botez Live, and Eric Rosen, who's I Am Rosen. And all of these people are just like streaming chess and putting chess YouTube videos out. And it's kind of created a really interesting culture and subculture where there is, there is, there are, I suppose, the chess purists of the world who want chess to be what it always has been. Um, or what they view it to always have been. They want it to be this serious, over-the-board game um, about intellect, strategy, and respect, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the chess streamers who play chess, are incredible at chess, but also make a ton of money off of Twitch subscribers. And Twitch subscribers like memes. (laughs) So, like, there are... All of these chess memes that are surfacing now, well, one is like the bong cloud. Uh, and the bong cloud, um, in a game of chess, the most common opening is to push your pawn that's in front of your king two spaces forward. Uh, it kind of like takes control of the center of the board and opens up some lines from you for you. The bong cloud is to do that and then follow it up by moving your king towards the center of the board, which is just bad. <laughs> it blocks those lines of sight for you and puts you in danger. So... Like, Hikaru, Hikaru Nakamura, he decided to play only the Bong Cloud opening in Blitz games and try to get his Blitz rating to, like, 3,000, which is an incredibly high rating. Uh, And he did it. He did it. It took him 22 hours. Wow. Uh, But, like, memes are so interesting to chess because they're (laughs) opening chess up and making it accessible for an entire group of people who wouldn't have been interested in chess before Mm -hmm. but now have like this entry point um i want to talk a little bit about the botez gambit so a gambit in chess is an opening uh it's a sacrifice of material so you like lose a piece for positional advantage and there are a lot of openings the queen's gambit is sacrificing a pawn for a position that's advantageous the Botez Gambit is named after Alexandra Botez, Botez Live, who's a streamer, and it's when you sacrifice your queen for questionable com- compensation. <laughs> and so, like, there are these, um, what are they called? Uh, when a whole bunch of videos collab, no, collages, no, that's a photo. What is it Compilations? called? Compilations? You... Thank you. There are compilations online of Alexandra Botez losing her queen and it's like botez gambits and she's just like fully embraced it uh a couple weeks ago there was a tournament called pog champs which included uh pokimane rain wilson mr beast xqc ludwig and moist critical and all these people who aren't great chess players getting coached by people like alexander botez levy rosman uh, and hikaru nakamura and what's happening with chess on twitch is so interesting so cool and like i think we're gonna see a a different generation of chess players moving forward and i think that's good have you played any chess recently i've played a bit yeah i'm so much worse than i used to be (laughs) i keep losing to things where i'm like i should have seen that immediately (laughs) but so do you have a chess set or have you been playing uh, your 3d multiverse chess (laughs) <laughs> no I, I have not been playing 5d chess but i've just been playing on chess.com mm. oh, okay okay yeah no that chess has gotten like very popular in the past year 
but I, yeah, I think it is like, I guess like your nerd Jason using is like the influence of memes on chess players. Um, yeah, I guess. And like the influence of streaming on chess. Yeah. Chess has come, chess has come back in a big way. Good yeah. for chess. And Queen's Gambit was also great. So yeah. Um, okay. My nerd adjacent musing is going to be quick because I like, don't want to spoil any part of it, but it's a movie. It's Palm Springs. Have you seen it? Have you heard of it? I've seen it twice. Okay. And I agree with your decision not to spoil anything. Yes. The second time I watched it, it, I watched it with my mom and I didn't tell her what it was even about. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't say anything. I would say it's like a rom-com with a twist. But it's like, I was so pleasantly surprised by it. I wasn't expecting it to be that good. And it was like, I don't know, I loved it. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And it was great. Yeah, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a feel good movie. But I don't want to say anything else about it. It's It's with Andy Samberg, actually. I'll say that. Like, the cast is great. It's Andy Samberg. And it's, um, what's her name? Sorry. Um, Kristen... Milioti, who is the mother well actually I don't I don't want to spoil it but she plays in she's an actress in How I Met Your Mother and also in um she's in Wolf of Wall Street anyway you should watch it and I guess yeah. Billy, you've already watched it yeah you should watch it again Maggie oh I definitely will watch it again yeah it was just a such a good experience mm-hmm. um and like it's like it's Andy Samberg so Obviously, there's a non-zero amount of comedy in it. Yeah. And, like, comedy media isn't generally my go-to media. Like, I prefer things with uh, characters and arching stories. Um, And you can be two things. You can be comedy Mm -hmm. and have great characters and great story and good writing. So, uh, which obviously I know, but mainstream comedy doesn't really appeal to me in the same way that mainstream drama does. And this really scratched all of my itches yeah no i i really enjoyed this um but yeah that's all we'll say about it check it out if you haven't already awesome um okay well that was our episode thanks for tuning thanks for in. tuning in oh no we did it <laughs> same time <laughs> <laughs> um if you have anything to say any comments about terraforming mars um you can Email us at intothemeepleverse at gmail.com. You could reach out to us on our Instagram page, Into the Meepleverse, on Twitter, I2MV Podcast, on Facebook, whatever. Please let us know if you have any thoughts about anything we've said, if you want us to talk about anything, if you just want to say hi. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, if there's a Terraforming Mars expansion that you consider mandatory, let us know. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear from y'all from y'all <laughs> what's wrong with y'all you didn't like it y'all so i hope you're having a great week <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for listening i'm maggie i'm billy and this was into, into the, the meepleverse, meepleverse.